Thank you, Nessia. So Nessia came to me maybe uh, maybe a month ago and said she didn't just want to do Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. She wanted to do Hebrews 12. So we got to hear Hebrews 12. And uh, this is, as Matt suggested, our last message through the book of Hebrews. And we have been about a year in making our way uh, through it. And uh, when I proposed to do the book to, uh, to the elders, they asked me to prepare an outline. And uh, so I tried to break up the passage, the book of Hebrews, into reasonable chunks, right? We don't want to, to go too slow. We don't want to go too fast. And it's not always obvious to me when I look at a book like Hebrews and I divide the portion exactly what my main point would be for each section. Sometimes I'm not quite sure. And that was the case with the passage today. As we finish up the book, we'll see there's a number of exhortation, exhortations that the author is giving to the Hebrews. And uh, it's not immediately obvious what would be the main thought of a passage like this. We have about nine verses, I believe. Uh, but I found in it uh, somewhat of a theme of spiritual shepherding, spiritual shepherding. In our church, we have elders that fulfill that role. Some churches will have pastors that will fulfill that role. And, uh, and we want to think about, about that today. So let's look at, at that in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 through 25. And this will be, as we said, the very end of the book of Hebrews. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably, but I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words, know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints, those, who, those from Italy greet you, Grace be with you all. Now, we enjoy having my sister's family visit us from Michigan. About once a year, they'll come, and they'll camp at our house. And for that uh, uh, duration, we increase from uh, about six people in our household to about, let's see, I think they have five kids or four kids this year? Four kids, so 12. We double. <laughs> And uh, they'll visit us uh, at our church, and that's nice because our Sunday school class doubles too. Um, but uh, 
sometimes uh, they'll, they'll share some comments about our church and you know what they feel about our teaching or our messages and yeah, sometimes it's favorable, sometimes it's less favorable, and they have a right to their own opinion. Uh, this last time they uh, asked us, or my brother-in-law asked us to listen to the message given by their church that Sunday because they have it recorded. Uh, by the way, you're getting a handout uh, to help you follow along. I confess I prepared it for my son, Joey, who's not here, um, but I thought it might be helpful to just kind of at least see what my main points are as we're going through. If you find it a little bit simple, that's fine. There's plenty of space to add your own notes uh, and make it uh, a more useful uh, a study for yourself later. But he had me listen to the message from, from the pastor at their church, and I don't remember exactly what book they were studying. I think the pastor there was doing something similar to what we were doing, which is systematically go through the book. And he reached a, a passage about also spiritual shepherding or elders or, or rulers, something perhaps similar to verse 17 in this passage. And I remember that the pastor, as he was teaching about this subject, felt, sounded kind of nervous, right? He wasn't sure how his congregation was going to take this. Um, and I thought the message was a little bit weak. I, I, don't, I don't want to criticize the church or the pastor, but it's almost like he was fearful of, of saying what the Bible says about spiritual shepherding or the role of elders or the role of pastors. And I can understand that on a couple of levels. First, it's a subject that's not very popular, right? In uh, this country in particular, and I think the human race by nature doesn't like anyone to be in authority over them, right? We want to do our own thing. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. Whether it's children at the home or it's, uh, you know, people at the workplace, uh, or it's our response to police officers. TJ, I don't know how it was in the army. Uh, I imagine there was pretty strict discipline. And, and you don't necessarily love those who have that place of authority over you. And so that pastor may not have felt very comfortable speaking to his congregation about their need to... to uh, accept his role as a, a spiritual shepherd or a ruler in the congregation. Uh, and, and so it's especially difficult if you're the, the shepherd giving this message, right? So I'm, I'm uh, in, the, uh, in the beneficial position of not being an elder, so I can speak perhaps more frankly about the passage without feeling I'm speaking about myself. Uh, we're we're going to allow Don if he wants you to go to another room, but he's also welcome to stay. Uh, so, so this is an opportunity, as we look at this passage, to, to think of what the Bible teaches about spiritual shepherds or pastors, uh, uh, if you would. So first of all, as unpopular as this might be, I have a picture of a sheep. Maybe, you know, that's one of the reasons that uh, people don't like the idea. They don't want to think about themselves as a sheep. Sheep don't look, and they're not particularly intelligent. Uh, so we don't really like the analogy between us and sheep. But uh, the first point would be that uh, spiritual shepherding was Jesus' idea, or God's idea. Right? This is not uh, pastors thinking. It wasn't the apostles that came up with it. We see it um, in Matthew 9, 36. But when he, that is, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep 
having no shepherd. So as I understand it, sheep really need a shepherd. Right? There are some animals that don't need a shepherd. They will do just as well not having somebody shepherding them. Not so with sheep. They really need a, a shepherd to take care of them, to keep them from danger, to make sure they're going to the right place to find food, to find drink, to have sufficient race, rest. And if it's not, if a sheep is not receiving this kind of a care, then it would be weary and maybe it would look half-starved. Maybe it would have one of the scars it endured from uh, trying to survive attacks by wild animals. Most likely it would be dead, right? But uh, Jesus, looking at people, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep uh, having no shepherd. That was Jesus' view of us. Uh, then it, uh, we have for us in John 21... the account of, of Jesus setting Peter as a shepherd. Actually, he may have already set him as that. He may have previously explained to the apostles that this will be their, their job. They will need to minister to other people as spiritual shepherds. In fact, in the book of Matthew, the setting aside of the 12 happens right after Jesus looks at the multitude and sees them as sheep having no shepherd, and he says to them, uh, I, I say to you truly, uh, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And that's why I need you guys, <laughs> okay? There's, there's a lot of need out there, and I need you to help meet that need. And here is where he specifically uh, describes this job to Peter. It seems to me, from the context, Peter has been discouraged. He, um, uh, what was the word for it? Betrayed the Lord, or denied the Lord three times, if you remember, at the, at the hour when, when the Lord was arrested and uh, was being interrogated, Peter promising that he would be with the Lord wherever the Lord would go, whether to prison or to death, follows him, and then a servant girl asks Peter, you're not also one of this man's disciples? I'm like, no, 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 not me. You must be confusing me with somebody else. And he does that three times. He denies the Lord, any association with the Lord, and he was very discouraged afterward. So people view this passage as a restoration of Peter. But what Peter was doing in this passage is he, he was going fishing. So he was, the Lord has risen from the dead. He hasn't yet ascended to heaven. This is during this period of 40 days where the Lord appeared to the disciples. <clears throat> and in between these appearances, Peter, uh, either discouraged or hungry, decides to go fishing. And uh, after he makes a vain attempt at, fish, at fishing, the Lord provides the meal. And after the meal, uh, in verse 15, he says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? That's Jesus' question to Peter. He, that is Peter, said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He, that is Jesus, said to Peter, feed my lambs. And Jesus didn't have any, any sheep. He had people, right? So when he says, feed my lambs, he says, take care of, of young believers, right? Those people who believe in me, those people who are following me, those are my sheep, and I want you to take care of them. I want you to feed them. Uh, most likely, this is speaking about spiritual feeding, right? He's not going to go out fishing and catch real fish and give it to their disciples. 
He is supposed to feed them spiritually. He, he has reached a certain spiritual maturity because the Lord had Peter with him for three years and worked in Peter's life and helped Peter understand a lot of spiritual concepts, helped him mature. In fact, this last trial and restoration was probably the biggest step as far as Peter's increase in maturity. And now Jesus wants Peter, a mature believer, to take care of the younger believers and to help them, right? He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. So here's the word for sheep could be more mature believers, but some ones that perhaps Peter can still help. And so Jesus is asking him to do it. So the main point here is spiritual shepherding was Jesus' idea, right? It's not a man's idea that there needs to be somebody who, who ministers spiritually to people, who shepherds them spiritually. It was God's idea. It was Jesus' idea, as well as the establishment specifically of people to do that work, right? That comes from the Lord Jesus. Okay, the first, the next uh, note I have, if you're keeping track, we need to obey our spiritual shepherds. And that's what it says in verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let's say I am a sheep, and uh, I think I have a picture of a, of a shepherd there. But uh, I, I have a shepherd who's giving me some instructions and I choose to not follow those instructions. He wants me to perhaps stay on the path, and I want to go off to the mountains, right? Is it to my benefit to obey the shepherd as a sheep? It is. The shepherd aims to keep me from harm, right? That's why he's trying to keep me along the right path together with the other sheep under his care where he can t provide and take care for me. In a similar way, when our spiritual uh, shepherds, when the elders uh, or a pastor in God's will is giving us instruction and they're perhaps coming alongside and saying, you know, I don't think this is the right move for you to do right now in your life. Is it to my benefit to heed those instructions? Yes, it is, right? And that's why we're being told to obey those who rule over us and be submissive for they watch out for your souls. Right? It's, it's a commission that they received from the Lord Jesus as those who must give account. Peter was given a very specific commission by the Lord Jesus to take care of his lamb and his sheep. And it is to the Lord Jesus that Peter would have to give account. If when Peter meets Jesus in heaven, he didn't take good care of the sheep, he didn't give right direction. Instead of really caring for them, he was... Uh, either ignoring their needs and not giving them any kind of spiritual shepherding or misdirecting them for personal profit, saying what you really need is to start giving me more money so me and my friends can buy a larger yacht to go over the Sea of Galilee, right? He would have to answer to that to the Lord Jesus. The same thing with our spiritual shepherds. They will have to give an account to the Lord Jesus as to how they shepherded us, right? It's, it's to their benefit to give us good uh, instruction, good shepherding, good spiritual shepherding. And we want them to be joyful when they speak 
to the Lord Jesus about our souls. What about Noad? How did things go with him? And uh, I, I'm hoping that that would be a joyful conversation for, for, for my spiritual shepherds as they speak with the Lord Jesus, that they can rejoice. If they don't do so with joy, well, we tried to steer Noad, but he chose to go this path, and yes, you, we both know where that led to. That will not be a joyful time for them and the Lord Jesus, and it's not for my benefit. Right? It's not for my benefit. So we need to obey our spiritual shepherds. The third point here, I said we need to pray for our spiritual shepherds. Paul says this in verse 18, pray for us, not Paul, sorry, I slip sometime into saying Paul. Uh, we don't know who the author is. It may have been Paul. It may not have been Paul. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably, but I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Uh, we know that this author was imprisoned. He was uh, put in jail. Uh, and he says here very clearly, it wasn't because of anything wrong he did, right? If he didn't pay his, his Roman taxes, he could have been put in jail, but he deserved to be put in jail in that case. But in this case, he lived honorably. He did everything right. The only thing he was imprisoned for is for declaring Christ. This was the reign of Nero. And Nero did not like Christians. And so if you were a Christian leader, you would be likely to find yourself in jail or likely beheaded for the crime of being a Christian. This seems to have become now to about the end of the reign of Nero. It's probably likely at this point Nero has actually already died and the next emperor is there and he will soon be released and we will see. So he's about at the end of his trial but he's asking them to pray for him. And uh, we're encouraged to pray for our spiritual shepherd because they are on the, the first line of battle, right? They, our spiritual shepherds are the ones that are actively serving the Lord. Now, hopefully we're all actively serving the Lord, but very often spiritual attacks are directed against the spiritual shepherd. The, the devil knows if he takes them down, and all those people who are profiting from their ministry will come down with them or will suffer with them because of their lack of ministry. And so it's not surprising to see spiritual attacks directed most frequently against our spiritual shepherds. And because of that, we should pray for them for two reasons. First of all, you know, they're suffering, right? And we should pray for those who are suffering, especially those who are suffering for serving the Lord, right? Even if, if, if we hear about missionaries suffering overseas, being persecuted, will lead to pray for them. Why? Because they're suffering for serving the Lord. The same thing for our spiritual shepherds when they're suffering here. Uh, but even more so, as he encourages them, but I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Our benefit in praying for our spiritual shepherds is that they are in the place of ministry to us, and we suffer when they suffer. We suffer a lack of ministry. And so we should especially pray for our spiritual shepherds. Number four, I said spiritual shepherds don't replace Christ. They are a gift from him. And we have it for us in verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. I asked uh, Don if he has a... Uh, you know, what his view of it is. 
And uh, he shared with me an illustration he, he, he uses to help explain it. And that is, if you want to think about it in this way, the kingdom of heaven is like a corporation. And in the corporation, we have one CEO, and that is Christ. And he is Lord of all, right? He is in charge of everything. But uh, he may, a CEO, could choose to hire managers to manage the people working for him. And uh, in a sense that you could think about that as, as, as elders or pastors uh, at best. They are people who, who were brought into the job by the Lord Jesus to, to help in the administration of the company. Now, we have to be a little bit careful. Jesus doesn't need help uh, in, in the sense that a CEO needs help to run his company. But he chooses, he chooses just like he chooses to give us the ministry of reconciliation. We are uh, just uh, vessels of clay. But we have in us an earthen, sorry, we are vessels, earthen vessels. We have in us uh, a treasure, which is the gospel. And we are given the opportunity to go and share it with people who don't know the gospel. And so be vehicles of salvation. God will save people through us. And he's giving us the privilege of participating in that work of the gospel. In a similar way, God chooses to give people the opportunity of serving alongside with him in the lives of others. Right? So he, 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 he will give uh, 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 one of our elders, Don, an opportunity to come alongside with him and serve and minister to someone who needs some additional ministering, right? And it's a privilege for Don, but it also would be for our benefit, right, to have somebody else uh, in addition. And, and where I see that is Ephesians uh, chapter 4. In verse 7, he says, But to each one, uh, grace, each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we're talking about a gift here. Uh, Therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. That's a quote from the Old Testament, again describing the fact that uh, Jesus. Uh, ascended on high, he went to heaven, he led captivity captive, meaning he, he's taking us with him, and he gave gifts to men. He gives gifts. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So these are among the gifts that, that uh, Christ gave the church. He gave them these different people. He gave them apostles, he gave them prophets, he gave them evangelists, and he gave them pastor. The word pastor simply means shepherd, right? Pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why did Christ give us elders or shepherds as a gift? For our benefit, to equip us for the work of the ministry. He wants all of us to be part of his kingdom. He wants all of us to be serving him. And uh, the means of, of one of, of the way he helps us to do so is by giving us spiritual shepherds. So having a picture of, of a gift, I like having visual illustration. Uh, think of the elders as a gift from the Lord, right? Because that's what he says, right? He says that they are a gift to us. He gave them to us to help us, to equip us to serve him better, right? Dan, sorry, you don't look quite that good, but uh, it captures 
it captures the thought. You're a gift to us. You're a gift to us from the Lord. And, and so is Howard. Um, okay, uh, fifth point. So did, did, I, did, I, uh, did I cover the fourth point? Did I give you the blanks for that one? The words for those blanks? I did, okay. Okay, so somebody, somebody help me out here. Number four, spiritual shepherds don't replace. They are a gift from him. Good. So we still have him. The Lord will still lead us in different ways. And really the chief way the Lord leads us is his word, right? He gave his word for all of us. We all have direct access to the Lord through his word. Some churches, uh, the Catholic church for one, goes to the extreme where there are so-called spiritual shepherds. The priests really take that place. Right? And you have to go to Christ through them. Right? That's not what God intended. Right? God gives us a direct access to the Lord Jesus. We can always come to him in prayer. We have his word given to us. We have the Holy Spirit given to us that gives us the mind of Christ, helps us understand the scriptures, gives us a desire for him. He corrects us, as Nestia was quoting for us Hebrews 12. He, he will bring things into our life when we're not walking the right way. Sometimes he will use his stick right? directly in our lives. Right? But in addition, he gave us the gift of, of the elders or spiritual shepherds to work in our midst and to co-labor with him. Right? To co-labor with him. They don't replace him, but they are a gift from him to us. Number five, uh, I said we need to bear with the word of exhortation. Uh, I've had occasion when the elders, an elder came alongside me and pointed out something in my life that was less than ideal. Right? He says, no, I care about you, and I see something that isn't the way it ought to be in your life, and, and I'd like you to, you know, to work and, and, and correct this, this uh, situation because it's not for your benefit. It's not, it's not for the benefit of God's people. And uh, that hurts. It hurts when somebody comes to us <laughs> and gives us correction. And so the, uh, the author uh, said to us in verse uh, 22, And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. And um, the, the author had to say some, give some correction to the Hebrew church and said some things that may not have been pleasant to hear, uh, one example for that is, verse, is a Hebrews 5.12. He says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. So the Hebrews have been believers for some time. They should have been feeding on God's word and now be in a position to minister to others, to feed others. And yet that was not the situation he found them in. And so he had to, to give them some encouragement. The word exhortation really means encouragement. He, he's coming alongside them in the letter, and he's wanting them to mature spiritually. And uh, I had a choice when this elder came to me and shared uh, with me about this area in my life. I could have rejected him and say, you know, who needs you? I don't need you. I don't want to hear this, Right? You know, he, he doesn't have any power over me. He can't force me, right, to do anything. But then I would lose the benefit, the benefit of his spiritual ministry to me as a, as a shepherd. 
And the Hebrew believers could have done the same with this letter. They could have read these words and stopped at that point. I'm not going to take this from anyone, right, and chuck it. And then they would have lost the benefit of the letter written to them, right? So we don't want to do that. We want to bear with the word of exhortation. If, if the elders have something to say to us, which is, you know, you know, hurts, we don't want to lose the benefit of it, right? We need to bear with the word of exhortation and to think and maybe pray about what they talk to us and, and, and see what it is that the Lord wants us to do in our lives, right? Point six, spiritual shepherding is best done in teamwork. Uh, he says this in, uh, in verse 23, know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. So we see that the author was working together with Timothy. That's one reason some people believe that the author was Paul. Doesn't have to be. Timothy may have worked with other people. And especially if Paul died, if, if I'm right about my guess of the timing of this, and this is after Paul was executed, uh, Timothy, in 2 Timothy, is asked to come and visit Paul in prison, if you remember. We just went through 2 Timothy. It's very possible that Timothy ended up in jail as a result of coming to visit Paul. And, uh, and Paul may have been executed. Maybe Timothy wasn't because he wasn't as well known as Paul. And now that the reign of terror is ending, Timothy is going to be released, and so will the author to the Hebrews. But the point is that they're working together as a team. He says, know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. So the idea is he'll bring Timothy with him, and they will both minister to the Hebrew church and help them with their spiritual needs, right, is what he's, what, uh, he's talking about. And uh, that is the general principle in the scripture. So that, this, that's not always the case. In fact, most churches have one pastor or a main pastor, um, but in the scripture, we see the pattern of a plurality of elders, right? Where you have multiple elders working in the same church. And that's a benefit to us. That's a benefit to us. Uh, it says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So the, the benefit of having two elders or more is one might fall, right? One might fall into sin or stumble or, or be discouraged. And if you have another elder, well, there's an opportunity uh, to encourage, right, the elder that stumbled or, or fell or needs encouragement, right? So, and it could be that as an elder, you try to work with, with a, a believer in area of their lives, and the believer, you know, uh, is not interested in hearing you, thinks that you have something personal against him. And so if you bring another elder, there's an opportunity for someone else to share in the work, you know, you may be more effective. Right? So there is, there is a benefit in having 
a plurality of elders. Maybe you can just show the picture since I made Sharon look for a picture about working as a team. You know, that's teamwork for you, right? You can achieve more as a team than uh, working by yourself. And so it is the case with elders. They can achieve more working as a team than a single person working by himself. Uh, the seventh and last point we have, uh, we need to show love to our spiritual shepherds. Verse 24 uh, says, Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Uh, those from Italy uh, greet you. And uh, the emphasis I have is really on the first phrase here. It says, Greet all those who rule over you. Now, I was talking with uh, my brother from Lebanon about this earlier. And uh, in Lebanon, when you greet someone, correct me by the if I'm wrong, you, you don't say hi. You don't reach out a hand and shake their hand. You come and you embrace them, and you might kiss them on each cheek. Is that how you do it, brother? Yes. yes. And, uh, and likely, that was the culture at the time this letter was written. And, and the word greet in the Greek literally means to embrace, right? So when it says here, to, uh, to greet all those who rule over you, it means give them a hug. <laughs> now, it's not just to them, right? I mean, we are supposed to greet all the saints, right? The idea is there should be affection uh, among the believers. Jesus says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And, uh, and part of it was greeting, right? Showing, show, showing the, the typical courtesy of the day, which in that day would have been giving a hug and perhaps kissing on both cheeks. But what captures my attention here is it says specifically greet all those who rule over you, setting them apart. Why is he setting apart those who rule over us as spiritual shepherds as those to whom we need to greet or give a hug? And uh, the thought that came to me comes from 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the Corinthians and uh, and it's clear that there's a problem in the relationship. And he says this in, in 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 12. Oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. So the problem didn't come that from Paul not loving the Corinthians enough, it came from them not loving him enough. He says it even more clearly in uh, chapter 12, verse 15, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. And uh, why is it that Paul was not loved by the Corinthians? Why is it that uh, we are told to greet those who rule over us, I think it's because, uh, as I said at the beginning, we don't like being ruled. We don't like anybody to be in charge of us, anybody to tell us what to do. And so the result often is resentment, right? It's very easy for us to resent our spiritual shepherds instead of loving our spiritual shepherd. Uh, talking about hugs... Uh, my daughter, Nessia, how many times a day are you supposed to hug someone, Nessia? Once a day. Eliana? 
four times a day. Now, is that the maximum? That's the minimum. Yeah, there's a song, you know, part of the wonderful part of having children is you get these children's songs, you know, in your house. And one of them says, four hugs, I'm not going to sing it, it's okay. Four hugs a day, that's the minimum. Four hugs a day, not the maximum. And uh, the thought that, that came to me related to that is, is we need hugs for our health, right? Now, not everybody is like this, right? I mean, people have different love languages. Some of us like receiving hugs. Some of us would shoot someone who would try to hug us, right? But, but you know, the, the normal, or uh, the way most of us feel, is a hug is a way of, of showing affection, right? And we all need to be loved, right? That is, that is a, a need that we have that God created us. We a need to be loved. Now, it's wonderful that God loves us unconditionally, uh, but God also wants us to experience love in our earthly relationship as an encouragement. And uh, it's possible to be starved. That's why it says four hugs a day. You know, that's the minimum. There's actually... And I don't know if it's been medically proven, but you can find lots of other places, not just the scriptures, that, that say the importance of getting uh, for your health hug or love shown to you because we need to sense our love, that we are being loved by others. And we could starve our spiritual shepherds by uh, not loving them, right, and not showing them affection. I mean... We might say, well, we love them in our hearts. We're just not very good in expressing it. You know, if they're not getting it, it doesn't help. <laughs> uh, and, so, and so we're being exhorted here by the author to the Hebrews to show love, right? To greet, to, to hug uh, those who rule over us. So I don't know about you. I was convicted by this uh, study for myself, right, as I was uh, preparing for the message that uh, I, don't, I don't show uh, affection uh, to, to those who, who rule over me, right? To my spiritual shepherd. I don't, I don't uh, think about, about their situation. You know, we think about not liking to be ruled. You know what? They might think about not liking to rule over us. <laughs> you know? uh, shepherding is not an attractive job, right? Having to care for others, especially when they don't show us appreciation, uh, we need to try, right? As, as being uh, under uh, shepherds, we need to try to encourage them and show them, show them affection and give them joy, right? It says, obey those who rule over you, meaning follow their instructions. You know, our elders don't ask us to clean their house. You know, they're not asking us to do anything that will benefit them. They ask us to do things that they believe will be for our spiritual benefit. And so the, there's no reason to not show them love. We have every reason to show them love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving the church uh, spiritual shepherds. Uh, we recognize that that's a gift from you to us. Lord, help us be good sheep, so to speak. And uh, we pray also, Lord, for our spiritual shepherds, that you will encourage them and build them up and help them uh, minister to us. For we ask it in your name. Amen.